Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Following Jesus. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Well, today we're in this second, ser- second uh, sermon in this series called Following Jesus, and, and last week we kicked it off, and uh, I would encourage you, if you didn't hear it, uh, you can go back and listen to it on our, our uh, podcast. Um, today we're going to continue, and uh, to start off with, I just want to share a story with you about uh, something that a kid said. I, I, um, Linda is a teacher. She teaches first grade, and uh, she t- wrote about this interaction she had with one of her students on the first day of school. Now... Um, this young boy named Ryan had come and, uh, you know, he was accustomed to kindergarten and he was getting his things ready to leave for home at noon. And he was supposed to be getting ready to go to lunch. And so Linda said, uh, you know, um, Ryan, what's going on? She goes, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to go home. And so she explained to him that, well, actually, you're, you're not going to go home. Everybody's going to go to lunch and then you're going to come back here and you're going to do some more work and then you'll leave later in the afternoon. And Ryan looked at her in disbelief, hoping that she was just kidding. But from her uh, facial expression, he could tell that she was serious. So, so Ryan put his hands on his hips and he said, who on earth signed me up for this program? You know, the reality is there's sometimes we get involved in something that we don't understand. And so, uh, you know, today and last week and today, we're looking at some of the what I call the hard sayings of Jesus, some of the things that he commanded his followers to do. And maybe there's some time along the way where we realize, wow, I didn't know what I was getting into. Who signed me up for this? But Jesus called his followers to follow him and he promised that he would always be with us. And that's a different kind of promise because the reality is, is that when we go through life and we find out we've signed up for something in our, in our humanity and we're over our heads, that's one thing. But when we follow Jesus, we're never over our heads because he's with us. He's with us and he's there to guide us and direct us. And so this morning we're going to start off. I'm just going to recap something that I shared with last week. And it's from probably what is one of the hardest sayings of Jesus. And he, he talks about this in the gospel of Mark. So let me read it. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So, you know, here's just a a quick recap of, of what that means. Jesus is telling us three things. He's saying, listen, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to take up your cross and not just follow me. I want you to lose your life. Those statements mean that we're saying no to ourselves, no to our wills, and we're saying yes to God and yes to God's will. And and there's this paradox that we realize that though we think we're losing our lives when we say yes to God and to God's will by following Jesus, we're actually gaining our lives, the best life possible. So this morning we're going to look at four areas where Jesus gives us some some teaching, some commands about what we're supposed to do. We looked at four last week. We're looking at four new ones this week. And the first area that I want to look at is what I'm calling spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled living. 
So Jesus said to his disciples this. He said in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But here's the important piece that Jesus says, listen, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is one of the most important things that Jesus says to his disciples because he's saying, listen, the power to follow me, the power to do what I'm calling you to do does not come from your own flesh and blood. It comes from the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send to indwell you and to be your teacher and to be your guide and comforter. And you're going to be able to do things through the Spirit's power that you would never be able to do in your own power. Now, Jesus foreshadowed this. <coughs> he foreshadowed this when he said to his disciples in John 14, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> he says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and who will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. So Jesus is telling the disciples, listen, I'm going to send you an advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come and live in you and he's going to be with you and he's going to guide you and to teach you. And he's going to be the presence of the living God in your life. And the Holy Spirit's role, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is ultimately to draw us closer to God. So that means the Holy Spirit wants us to live lives of righteousness. And a life of righteousness can be characterized by growing closer to Jesus, to becoming more like Jesus and producing what Paul, the apostle, calls the fruit of the Spirit. Those attributes that come from letting the Spirit work in us so that we're living by the Spirit instead of living by our will, or as Paul says, living by our flesh. So we want to live by the Spirit. Greg Ogden has written this. He says, the indwelling Spirit is fulfilling God's word to us to be holy because the Lord our God is holy. And so he says, that's why the Holy Spirit's presence comes into us to comfort us, but also to disturb us. Because remember, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is to come and fill us so that we will become more like Jesus. And sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to demonstrate to us and show to us when we are not being like Jesus, when we're, when we're producing uh, not the fruit of the Spirit, but when we're producing fruit that's more of our flesh. And he grows on, he says that the Holy Spirit creates a holy discontent in us with the way things are in our lives and sometimes in the way things are in the world. And the Spirit won't let us rest until we become more like the one who sent him, God the Father. So when I talk about spirit-filled living, it's acknowledging that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and that the Holy Spirit wants to guide us and show us things or teach us things and lead us in this life. Now, the Apostle Paul talked about this in numerous ways. He talked about walking in the Spirit. He talked about living in the Spirit, living by the Spirit. He talked about all that we have to do to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he's basically saying, listen, it's, it's being led by the Spirit as we live our lives every day. And, and, and Paul understood that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we have a choice. We can welcome the Holy Spirit in 
and trust the Holy Spirit's guidance, or we can ignore the Holy Spirit, and we can do what we want to do. In fact, Paul wrote about this in, in a very personal way. In the book of Romans, he said this, I have the desire to do what is good but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You know, Paul's talking about the, what one of my professors in the seminary would call the human condition, uh, that we're prone to want to follow our will instead of God's will. Uh, but Paul is saying, listen, we know what's right to do because the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. We have to choose the Holy Spirit. We have to recognize those promptings, what the Holy Spirit's calling us to do. And, and there's this reality that we have to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow your promptings. You know, because the reality is this. We can follow the prompting, the leading of the Holy Spirit, or we can push back on the Holy Spirit. And we can do it consciously and we can do it unconsciously. Uh, what I want to talk about specifically is doing, uh, not doing it consciously. In fact, welcoming and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because the more we do it consciously, the more we'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit even unconsciously. So, so how does the Holy Spirit speak to us and how do we respond? Well, I, I like to look at it this way. It's that sense that you get at some point in your life when... when you have a choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing, and nobody else can see it, so nobody else is going to know. And maybe you're tempted to do the wrong thing, but you sense this inner prompting to say, no, I need to do the right thing, even though nobody else is doing it. And it doesn't have to be when nobody's watching. It's that sense of the Holy Spirit is, is guiding us and directing us, prompting, prompting us to do what is the right thing to do. You know, it's also that recognition that uh, when you're walking with God as a follower of Jesus Christ and you realize that you've done something wrong, uh, maybe you've sinned against somebody or you've, you've done something intentional or you, you've made a mistake or you've cheated on something, whatever it is, and, 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 you, and you realize that you need to make it right. You need to go and apologize to the person you hurt. You need to make right the wrong that you've done, whatever it is. And in fact, it's so relentless that you can't rest until you do it. That's how the Holy Spirit prompts us and guides us. Or maybe it's like this, you know, maybe in your own sort of your, your natural personality is you, if you saw somebody that was hurting or, or somebody was struggling with something in your own natural personality, you wouldn't reach out to them and care for them. But you have this undeniable sense that you're supposed to go over and, and talk to them or listen to them or even put an arm around them or pray with them. And you recognize, you know, that's not you. That's not your normal way of doing things. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. And I, I need to tell you this, that the, the, the more you follow the promptings or, or even obey the promptings, the more it becomes natural. It becomes who you are. I, I'm not saying you'll always walk in, in this in spirit-filled living because we're human. We are sinners and we make mistakes. Uh, but the more that you become comfortable following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the more you will walk in that so uh, living a spirit-filled life means trusting the Holy Spirit, trusting in him and following him because he has good things for us. The reality is this. Uh, we believe that the only way possible to live the Christian life is by God's power within us. That's the Holy Spirit. 
So we want to seek to practice a daily dependence on God's spirit to enable us to follow Jesus faithfully. Now let's jump from spirit-filled uh, living to uh, this next word, destiny. And, and you'll see there's a little definition of what I say, de uh, destiny. What I mean by that, it can be defined by finding your purpose in life. The reality is this, is that God created each and every one of us for a purpose. Mike talked about that a little bit during community time this morning, that, that we've all been created for a purpose and, and God has a calling on our lives, each and every one of us. And to that end, we would say God has a destiny for us, a purpose. Now, the reality is this. God has endowed us with natural talents. All of you have natural talents. You, you immediately are thinking of some of your natural talents. But here's the other thing that we have to know that happens in the spiritual world. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, not only does the Holy Spirit come into our lives, but the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to use as part of the body of Christ. Uh, we're to use them for God's glory and to build up the body. You know, in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells this story, this parable about a master who, who was going to go away on a long journey and he had three servants and he was going to give his servants, each of them, according to their ability, some of his wealth to manage while he was gone. So he gave to uh, one servant, he gave uh, one bag of gold. To another servant, he gave two bags of gold. And to another servant, he gave five bags of gold. And uh, he went on his journey. And, and immediately, the ones that received two bags of gold and one that received five bags of gold put that wealth to work, and they were able to double it. But the, the one who received one bag of gold was afraid. And that servant actually took the bag of gold and buried it in the ground where he knew it would be safe and nobody would find it. And when the master returned, he wanted an account of what had happened. And so the, the two who had doubled what the master had given him were praised and they were uh, rewarded. But, but the one who, was, uh, who buried the gold in the ground uh, said, you know, I was afraid. I know that you were a hard master. I knew there would be a time of accountability. And so I wanted to make sure I gave you back what, uh, what you had given me. And that servant was punished because he buried it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. But to the two that were able to uh, do great things with the master's possessions, this is what he said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Uh, the reality is, as followers of Jesus Christ, God has put his spirit into us and he's gifted us to do things that honor God, that build God's kingdom, that build up the body of Christ, that we're supposed to use for God's glory. Now, we, we learn from this that the Lord wants us to partner with him in his kingdom to help it grow. And uh, when we do that, he's going to entrust us with more responsibility. I talk about these spiritual gifts, and in the New Testament, Paul goes into detail in several of, of the books of Scripture. But in the book of Romans, he says this, that God has given each of us different gifts for doing certain things well. And then he continues in the book of Ephesians, and he says that God gives us these gifts to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. You see, he gives us those gifts each one of us, for God's glory and to build up the church, to, to build his kingdom. Now, the, the natural thing that happens for some of us when we hear this is we want to know, well, 
I wish I knew specifically what my gifts were or I, I, am I using my gifts to help grow God's kingdom? Well, one of the things you heard today in our community time was that, uh, you know, we've moved into this season where we're encouraging everybody at Valleybrook to go through growth track. And in that growth track, you're going to learn a lot of things about what God wants for you, how he wants you to be connected to the body. But you're also going to learn about how he has gifted you with through the Holy Spirit and how he wants you to use those gifts for his glory. The reality is, as I said, we all have natural abilities, but he gives us a spiritual gift or maybe more than one to build up his kingdom, and to build up uh, fellow followers of Jesus Christ. And so we need to discover those gifts, and then we need to lean into them. We need to be faithful and obedient to use them. Let me return, though, to one thing that I mentioned in the passage from Matthew 25. Do you remember the servant who received one bag of gold? He buried it in the ground. He buried it in the ground. And the result was that what he had was taken from him and he was punished. You and I have been given gifts from God to use to build up his kingdom. So he doesn't want us to bury them. He wants us to use our gifts. He wants us to, to take advantage of them. So let me just talk about why somebody may be reluctant to use their gift or, in other words, to bury it. It's generally fear, fear, fear that you're going to take a risk and you may fail or fear that God's calling you into deeper commitment in your walk with him and commitment to the body of Christ. Here's the truth about God's word. He says that he didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. He gave us one of power. And so we need to know that we can walk in faith and trust that we have a good God who gives us good gifts and he gives us those good gifts to build up the body of Christ, to advance the kingdom and to do God's will. And when you use them, you will find joy. You will be encouraged and you'll be excited about seeing the difference that you make in the lives of other people and in God's kingdom. Now, let me just wrap up this section with another scripture from the Apostle Paul. He he was writing to his protege, Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a young leader, and he was new in following Jesus and, uh, and in ministry. And this is what he says to Timothy. He says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit... For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. You you know, when you you start a fire, it starts small. And if you've ever started a a fire with just a small amount of combustible material, sometimes you blow on it to get the flames just to get bigger. Then you can put more twigs on it and then wood until you have a huge flame. What he's saying to Timothy is is fan into flame the gift that God's given you. In other words, pursue it, use it, work on it, uh, ask people to help you understand how you can use it to build up the body of Christ. And then he goes on and he says this, when you do, God's not going to make you timid about this. God's going to give you power and he's going to show you his love And he's actually going to give you the ability to be self-disciplined so that you can pursue this. The reality is, is this, that God created us for a purpose. 
And he wants us to use it and find the joy in doing his kingdom's work as we do it. So I want to encourage you to pursue that. And, and the best way I can encourage you right now is to, to uh, take our growth track and, and find out what God's gifts are for you so you can use them. So let's move from that area to the area called service. The essence of Jesus' life was service. He modeled that to his disciples when he washed their feet and he lived a life of service over and over. He, he told his disciples this, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So, so it's clear from Jesus' words that those who follow him also serve him and they serve God's kingdom. And Jesus showed his disciples how to serve and it's a model for us too. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled for us ultimately what service looked like. It was about being a selfless servant leader. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must realize that once we come to faith in Jesus, we become part of his disciples. And that means we serve others as scripture tells us. And the Bible tells us that his disciples, his followers, his servants are his plan to take the good news about Jesus to the rest of the world. We are that plan. There wasn't another plan. We are the plan that Jesus left in place. And each successive generation of followers of Jesus become part of that plan. So becoming a servant of Jesus Christ involves not just what we do, but also what we say. And, and scripture tells us that when we serve God, when we honor God, we're actually worshiping him by attributing what we do or doing what we do for his honor and his glory. And I mentioned this earlier. Not only do we know we're worshiping God when we serve, but, but there's also a personal benefit because we know that when we're serving God and advancing his kingdom and, and using the gifts that he's given to us, we're making a difference. We're making an eternal difference in the lives of people who are affected by that service, by the, in the lives of people who are served by it, and, and in the lives of those people whose lives are changed because they hear the life-saving message of Jesus. Jesus calls us to serve. We're part of his team. From service, let's move to, to community. You know, Jesus lived in community with his disciples. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, they did life together. I don't mean they spent every minute of every day together, but they spent time with each other. They spent time talking and discussing things. They spent time praying together. They spent time sharing uh, life together, the, the easy things and the hard things. They spent time studying and they cared for one another. Jesus understood that they were better together and he called them into a community where they would work together as a team. And he realized that even being in community would have an effect on the outside world, on those who didn't believe in him. And this is what he said in the Gospel of John, just after he had washed their feet. He says, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Being in community and loving one another is important. You know, you can't really love somebody unless you spend time with them and connect with them. Yes, you can say you love somebody, but it's another thing to actually do life together, to go through the ups and the downs together, to go through the hard times and the great times, to, to, to deal with uh, each other's personality quirks and, and idiosyncrasies. When you do life together and you still love one another, it's powerful because it shows people that you're committed to that relationship. And being a follower of Jesus Christ is one where we're called to be in community. In fact, that's how God created the church. On, on the day of Pentecost, when God sent the Holy Spirit onto uh, the disciples and then to everybody who became followers of Jesus that day, they became a community, a community where they uh, did life together, where they worshiped together, where they prayed together, where they served together, where they took care of one another together, where they shared the good news about Jesus together, where they even brought all of their assets and belongings together so they could care for one another. They did it in community. You know, as a follower of Christ, you know, you can do things by yourself. But that's not the ultimate picture of what Jesus has called us to be. He's called us to do life together. And if you read through the epistles and the pastoral letters of, of the New Testament, you'll see time and time and time again where we're called to do life together. We're called to do life with one another. It's, it's not an option to be a, a lone ranger follower of Jesus Christ. We're part of a, a bigger group. We're better together. Let me just read to you just a few of those commands in the New Testament where we're called to do life with one another. Be devoted to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Accept one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. Admonish one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And it goes on and on. Followers of Jesus Christ were called to be in community. That's why we, we encourage uh, life groups so much because we believe that while, you know, on a Sunday morning there's a big gathering of us, we can't get close and really connected into people's lives in, in the same way that we can in a life group, which is a small gathering of people, you know, 12 to 15 folks where we can actually open up and share life and do life, study together, pray together, care for one another together, encourage one another, all of those things. Jesus called us to be a body that we're connected that we're the body of Christ, that we're supposed to be together and we're better together. So spirit-led living, destiny, our purpose, service, and community. You, you know, in all of these four things that I've looked at today with you and the four that I looked at last week, there's, there's one, uh, one common denominator, and I, and I spoke about it first. It's about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit came 
so that we would be able to have the power of God working in our lives and we would be able to be empowered to do the things that God calls us to do together as the body of Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us gifts and we have a good God who, who doesn't give bad gifts. He only gives us good gifts. But, he, but here's the truth about walking with the Holy Spirit, serving with the Holy Spirit, living a spirit-filled life, being in community. The Holy Spirit wants to come and, and work in our lives and be a part of us, but the Holy Spirit is, I, I would say this, he's a gentleman, if I can use that language. He's not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. He's not going to take over you and you're not going to have any control. The Holy Spirit is going to respond to what you allow the Holy Spirit to do. The truth of the matter is this. You and I can, can hold the Holy Spirit at arm's length. We can say, I feel that nudge, I feel that prompting, but I don't want any part of it. You can. He gives you that option. He's a gentleman. He's not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. But the reality is, if you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to walk in the Spirit's guidance and teaching and instruction and power in ways that you could never do in your flesh. You're going to be able to be a, a faithful follower of Jesus in new ways. You'll be able to minister and serve this world and others in ways that you could not explain in your own flesh, in your own power. But it does require that you yield to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I trust you. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to care for? What do you want me to say? And then trust and move forward in that. And, and as I said, the more that you continue to trust and move forward in that, the more comfortable it will become. So when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do the right thing, then do the right thing. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to go and care for somebody, go and care for somebody. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something that you've done that you need to confess, then confess it. Whatever the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, do it. But you've got to have an attitude of yieldedness. So this morning, I want us to sing a song inviting the Holy Spirit to come in our lives and move. In other words, we're saying we're yielded and we're saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to move in me. And, and I don't want it just to be a, a, a song that we sing this morning and then we go on our merry way. I hope it will be a refrain that resonates in our minds continually and that will follow the Holy Spirit's move. So would you stand? Let's sing this. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.